Please join me in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for all your gifts of goodness to us. And we thank you for the opportunity to be here with brothers and sisters and to open up your word and to hear your voice speaking through it. So we pray that you would give us ears to hear and let your word go forth this morning for the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus. Amen. As Pete mentioned, this morning we come to the fifth uh, sola of our series on the five solas of the Reformation. Though I heard Christmas music on my way in this morning on the radio, it is not quite Advent yet. We have one more uh, Sunday where we can um, squeeze out a sola. So we come to the last one, soli deo gloria, which means for the glory of God alone. And this is kind of a fitting culmination for what we... uh, For where we've been, if you have been following along over the last several weeks, maybe you've seen that there's a kind of progression or trajectory to these, that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ begins, comes to us, is announced to us uh, according to Scripture alone, by Scripture alone, sola scriptura, and that that message is that our salvation comes to us by grace alone, that it is a gift, it is not something we accomplish It is not something that we attain or earn by our moral goodness. It is a gift of grace. And that the only person who is in a position to give us this gift is God himself. And so God comes in the the flesh, in Jesus Christ, which we will be uh, uh, attending to over the next few weeks of Advent. But that this gift of grace comes to us by Christ alone, because only he is the one who is able to give it to us. The gift is given to us by Christ, and it is received by us sola fide, through faith alone. Faith is the manner of our reception of this gift of salvation in Christ. And then, so all of these then lead to the last one, sole deo gloria, that all of this leads into lives that are, are for the glory of God alone. And that is our theme for this morning. And so if you'll turn in your pew Bibles to John chapter 12... We will be reading a a moment in Jesus' life in which uh, he was in in which glory is forefront. Uh, He has just entered the city of Jerusalem. Um, His triumphal entry. We remember this on Palm Sunday when everyone is cheering him on, welcoming him as a king. It is, in some ways, uh, it would seem a time when Jesus is getting a lot of glory. He's entering the. The capital city of Jerusalem and the Pharisees say in verse 19 that the whole world is going after him. And so it is in this moment that we might say that Jesus, the buzz about Jesus is is strong and, and his stock price is very high. The spotlight is on him. And so in this glorious moment, we begin to read John chapter 12, beginning in verse 27. I invite you to hear now the word of the Lord. In this context, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. 
Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So again, the context of our passage this morning is Jesus receiving, apparently, lots of glory, and yet his response to this human glory that he is receiving is that his soul is troubled. Everything in the world, everything that is being offered to him is not of interest to him. It is not enough. There is something more valuable that he was seeking. There is a purpose that he is pursuing, and we see in verse 28 that it is the glory of his Father's name. That is the, as was the case throughout his life, his sole purpose and focus to glorify his father, to reflect in the world his father's character, his father's love, his father's will, to search out the sheep, the lost sheep of his father's flock. Jesus lived for the glory of God alone, more perfectly and more completely than any of us. But if Jesus was the perfect human being, then he lives the life that is intended for all of us. Indeed, the Westminster Shorter Catechism begins by saying that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The overriding purpose and created goal of human life is both to bring glory to God and to experience joy in that life of glorifying God. Now, what we usually think is that uh, good things in life are over here, Uh, joy, happiness, peace, that these things are over here and that God is over here. And we actually, we, we often try to get these things, these good things, without actually pursuing God. But if the message of the Bible and the first answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is correct, this is the wrong way to think about it. It's not as though God has a spice rack in which he has joy that he sprinkles and peace that he sprinkles. Indeed, It is in the glory of God that we find joy and peace and happiness. The way Jonathan Edwards puts it is is like this. All the good things, all the good gifts that God gives us, fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, children, the company of earthly friends, these are but shadows, and God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the ocean. And so rather than thinking about God's glory being over here that we might pursue if we get joy and peace and happiness for ourselves, we should think of them, we're invited to think of them as being in one and the same. The glory of God and the joy of humanity is found in God because he is the ocean of joy and goodness and truth and beauty. And so as we recognize and respond to who God is, And when we recognize and respond, we respond by glorifying him, by acknowledging and agreeing with him in his beauty and joy. 
that is how we begin to participate and experience the joy that God intends for us. Our ultimate joy in life is found in a life lived for the glory of God alone. They're not separate goals. They are the same goal because God himself is joy. He is the ocean of joy. And so we see that in the life of Jesus. We see it even in this difficult moment. His primary concern is, Father, glorify your name. Shall I say, save me from this hour? It is for this purpose that I came. Glorify your name. And then look, at, look and see at verse 31, all that Jesus said is being accomplished in this event of going to Jerusalem. He says, now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And so the evil of the world is being conquered. And then he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And so he is being lifted up and exalted, and he is drawing, he is accomplishing the victory of God's redemption. This is a very glorious purpose that he is describing, but it is important to read the next verse that says, he says to show this by what kind of death he was going to die. So this most glorious moment of God's triumph is actually accomplished through a death, the death of his son. This is not how we generally define glory. It is not the kind of glory we tend to pursue for ourselves, a bloody execution and a burial. That is not very glorious, and it didn't sound very glorious to the crowd either. They respond in verse 34. He said to show them what kind of death he was going to die, so the crowd answered him, but we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man that you're talking about? In other words, our understanding was that the glory of the, of the Messiah was going to be a triumphant glory, that he was going to reign on David's throne without any suffering at all. That's our idea of glory. Who is this, what is this glory you're talking about? Who is this Son of Man? That response from the crowd is often the natural response that we have as well. We have our own versions of this. We might say that we thought the Messiah, that you know, faith in Jesus Christ was going to make us successful and accomplished and respectable and respected in the eyes of the world. That's our idea of glory. And so who is this son of man who calls us to risk and possible failure in the world's eyes? Who is this son of man whose great triumph is when he is executed? We thought that becoming a Christian or joining a church was going to put us on top of the world. Who is this son of man that actually calls us to such a a new understanding that our world is turned upside down? We thought that becoming a Christian was about comfort and peace and a God who takes care of us and tells us that everything is going to be all right and keeps us in our cozy and warm and shallow version of joy. Who is this son of man who tells us that true joy is not found in pursuing good for ourselves, but in living for his glory alone, laying down our lives for the Father's glory, as did Jesus Christ? Who is this son of man? So you see, there's a difference between what we generally think of as glory. It's a very attractive thing for us, and, and we're pursuing it like it's, like it's, a, like it's a, 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 a treasure chest. Whereas the true 
joy and, and satisfaction in life is found in relationship with the God of the universe in which we are participating with him in glorifying his name. Jesus responds to this question, who is this son of man, in a very unusual way. If you look in verse 35, what he doesn't do is he doesn't say, oh, who is this son of man? Oh, let me, let me, re- let me review everything I've been talking about in my ministry, about who I am. And let me explain the prophets to you again. He doesn't say that. Instead, he responds by saying, in effect, time is running out. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. So while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. This is the urgent invitation that the Lord extends. Live for what really matters. Live for my glory. Pursue your joy by the pursuit of my glory and walk in the light while you have the light so that you might become sons of light. We see there in that last phrase of becoming a son, a son or a daughter of the light, we, there's a hint there of how we, um, in our responding to God's beauty and his joy uh, that he is in himself, that act of glorifying him, we, we, beget, we get swept up in the joy of God. We become sons of light. And so this is our call, to live for the glory of God alone, to live solely Deo Gloria, to say every morning as Jesus did, Father, glorify your name. But you might be thinking that that sounds a bit more at a spiritual level at which your life does not exist. You might be thinking, I, you know, I just go to work, I, just, I work at a bank, or I, I'm taking care of my kids, uh, I sit at a computer all day, I'm a lawyer. What could God's glory possibly have to do with my life? Well, there's a wonderful story uh, about a man who was recently converted who came to Martin Luther and asked Martin Luther, uh, what should I do now? Desperately wanting to serve the Lord, with the zeal of a convert, he says, what should I do? As if, as if the response should be, well, you should become a, a, a pastor or you should, be, you should quit your job and become a traveling evangelist. And, and Luther responded to him, well, what is it that you do now? What is your work? And the man replied, well, I'm just a shoemaker. You can imagine in his mind he was thinking, I can leave all that behind. I can do something really important now. But much to the, to the shoemaker's surprise, Luther replied, well, then make a good shoe and sell it at a good price. You see, there is no part of our existence that is not an opportunity to bring glory to God. Even the simplest, most mundane tasks can become spiritual if we look at them with the eyes of faith because there is no, in truth, there is no line between the spiritual and the non-spiritual aspects of our existence. We learn from Jesus in our passage that there is no moment that is not an opportunity to seek the glory of God, and in seeking the glory of God, to seek our own deep and abiding satisfaction and joy. Because Jesus can pray, Father, glorify your name, even in this moment where he is looking down a road that he knows leads to his death. Even in that moment, he can say, Father, glorify your name. So whatever road we are looking down, 
Whether it looks boring and meaningless, or treacherous and full of fear and uncertainty, or if we think it looks fairly glorious, the prayer that should be on all of our lips is the prayer that was on the lips of the Son of Man. Father, glorify your name. It is for this purpose that I was sent into the world, that your name would be glorified. So this call to live for the glory of God is for every single one of us. Every single one of us has been placed with a task before us this week that we can do for God's glory. If we do it with excellence and with integrity and with honesty, whether it's parenting or banking or flipping burgers or, or even being a lawyer, it can be done for the glory of God. We are also placed in a web of relationships in, in, in our places to which we are sent in the week. There are people all around us where we have the opportunity to reflect the light, to believe in the light, to walk in the light, and to become sons and daughters of the light who reflect that light out into the darkness, reflect the light and love of Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel to those people. So each one of us have a different week that is ahead of us. Ask yourself, what is in front of me this week? And can I pray, Father, in this week, in what lies in front of me, To the extent that I can see it, glorify your name in me. We can raise our kids to the glory of God. We can love our spouses to the glory of God. We can work at our jobs to the glory of God. Jesus demonstrates that every moment has this potential and invites us urgently, while we have the light, to walk in the light and become sons and daughters of the light. So that whether the crowds are cheering for us or whether we are afraid that our lives are at risk, we can pray, Father, glorify your name. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that it was for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him that that Jesus endured the cross, scorned its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we have these dual intentions that are really one intention modeled for us Uh, modeled for us in Jesus Christ. His concern is for the glory of his, his Father's name, and it is for the joy that is set before him. And the secret of this call to live for the glory of God alone is really to live out of and into the deep joy that God offers us in relationship with him. That when we seek to glorify God, we discover both the very purpose of our lives and the deep satisfaction and joy of our souls. Because they are not separate. They are the same thing. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were created to live not for ourselves and not for our own glory. And if we continue to live for ourselves and for our own glory, we are living at a level uh, insufficient for our creation. We We are settling for less than we were created for. We were created to live to the glory of God alone. So let us pray. Lord, as we head out into the world this week, we acknowledge that our lives look uh, fairly insignificant. In the grand scheme of things, there are so many uh, larger issues concerning our world. But Lord, we also admit that sometimes the concerns of our lives loom larger in our vision than anything else. And so we pray that you would help us to understand that the true life that you call us to, the life that Jesus lived and invites us to participate in is a life of bringing glory to you. So help us 
to pray each morning whatever lies before us. Father, glorify your name. It is for this purpose that we were made. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let us stand and sing together hymn number 464. Thank you.